Hare Krishna. A warm welcome to all of you for today's Gita Life session. We are going to discuss a very, very wonderful topic. And the topic for the day is Surrender, Why and How. Surrender is also called Sharnagati. <clears throat> so today we are going to discuss some principles which are recommended in the process of surrender. So before we begin our discussion today, our session today, let us all pray together. Let us seek the blessings of Srila Prabhupada, Lord Chaitanya, Lord Sri Krishna, so that we can have a very, very meaningful discussion today. And there are a lot of takeaways and learnings from the discussion we have. <clears throat> As we have been doing earlier, we'll spend substantial time in answering the questions. So feel free to ask the questions as we move along in this session. So before that, let's start with prayers. <clears throat> if possible, you can also fold your hands and uh, join me in offering these prayers. We can chant together and then immediately after this prayer, we'll get into the discussion. <clears throat> Nama Om Vishnu Padaya Krishna Prishthaya Bhutale Srimate Bhakti Vedanta Swamin Nitinamine Namaste Saraswate Deve Gauravani Pracharine Nirvishesha Shunyavadi Paschatya Deshatarine Jai Shri Krishna Chaitanya Prabhu Nityananda Shri Advaita Gadadhara Shri Vasadi Gaurabhakta Vrinda Namo Mahavadanyaya Krishna Prema Pradayate Krishnaya Krishna Chaitanya Namne Gauratushe Namaha Namo Brahmane Devaya Go Brahmane Hitayacha Jagadhitaya Krishnaya Govindaya Namo Namaha He Krishna Karuna Sindhu Dinabandhu Jagatpate Gopesha Gopika Kanta Radha Kanta Namostute Tapta Kanchan Gaurangi Radhe Vrindavaneshwari Vrishabhanu Sute Devi Pranamami Hari Priye Vancha Kalpataru Bhyascha Kripa Sindhu Bhyevacha Patitanam Pavne Bhyo Vaishnave Bhyo Namo Namaha Hare Krishna Hare Krishna 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 Hare 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 Rama Hare Rama 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 Hare Hare Sharnagati or surrender, if you were to define it, 
it basically means to give one's control to someone to give oneself to someone in other words one surrenders to a higher power so there are six principles of surrender which is given in our scriptures today we'll be covering three of them first three of them and in subsequent sessions we will cover the balance three all these six principles are very very important and if we practice these principles we can very quickly advance in our krishna consciousness just like we have seen in movies especially during war times we have seen people raising both hands as if saying that i surrender i give yourself i give myself to your control we have seen that kind of scenes surrender also mean where we raise our hands and give ourselves to the control of lord saying that lord please take charge of my life now i am surrendered unto you so what are the principles involved if we have to lead a life of surrender to the lord what are the principles involved let's learn those principles and understand them in detail so as i mentioned we'll be covering three principles today and in subsequent sessions we'll catch up with the other three balance three many years back when i passed out from my college i was in delhi for a short while and uh, there was a dream job which all of us were chasing everyone has a dream job like for example in present times people would love to work with google facebook so in those days also there was a dream job for all of us who had passed out i done my engineering in computer science anyway i don't want to name the company because that company no longer exists but it was a dream job everyone was aspiring to be in that company to get a job in that company and i remember i used to visit the temples with a prayer that lord somehow get me this job and i remember you know generally when we go to the temple we have some mannat we have some desire so to please the lord this generally happens we give some donation it's more like a, i am giving you this in return you give me this higher the demand the bigger the donation so in those days i remember i used to go to the temple and donate 5 rupees in the thundi and before i would put that money in the hundi i would you know very clearly show to the lord see here i am donating and after that act of putting the money in the hundi i would offer the prayers 
asking the Lord for this job, dream job. Few days passed by, I had applied in that company. In fact, I got a call for an interview also, but somehow there was a delay happening. And I used to regularly visit the temple and I saw that I started increasing my the donation amount. The intensity was quite high. Somehow or other, I wanted that job. And <clears throat> this is typical mentality. You know, we all so-called religiosity involves some kind of a trading with the Lord, some kind of give and take. But one good thing I remember, while I was very specific with my prayers, I want this job, can you please help me get this job? One very specific thing which I was doing in those prayers was, if you so desire. That was getting added in my prayers every day when I would visit to the temple, if you so desire. And I will not get into details. Somehow, I did not get that job. And you won't believe me, many of my friends who were much behind me in the rankings, in the college ranking, in my batch, some of them got an offer, got an appointment letter. And it was very difficult for me to comprehend why did the Lord not sanction this job for me. I was aspiring for that job. I had the required knowledge, required marks. I was among the toppers in my batch. Why did the Lord not sanction this job for me in spite of my praying so hard? It was difficult for me to fathom. What mistake I did that I did not get this offer, whereas my friends who were much behind me in marks, in the overall ranking, they got the offer. And I remember one time I visited this company because it was a dream job. I visited that company to meet my friend and I was at the reception. The receptionist called that person. He came and he met me. I was stopped the security before I entered, whom do you want to meet? So I had to write the name of my friend whom I was visiting. And while I was walking out of that job, there was a lot of sadness in my heart. Alas, I could have got that job. Today, if I look back, Lord had a higher plan. Had I got the job today, quite possible I would not be sitting here and talking to you on the subject of surrender. The saving grace for me, if you ask me, was although I was specific in my prayers, I wanted a particular job, I was very very clear to the point, Lord give me job in this particular company. But the saving grace, if I now recollect, if I look back and try to look back, the saving grace was 
the statement which I added at the end of my prayer, if you so desire. We have been discussing in our previous session that how Kama Esha, Krodha Esha, Rajoguna, Samudbhava, this it is the desires, Kama, material desires, which is the greatest enemy of the living entity. We all keep desiring, we desire so many things. We all want many things to happen in a particular way in our lives for us to be happy. Now, many of our desires are stemming from ignorance. Avidya, Kama, Karma Bhi. We all are acting. Behind our actions is desires which are driving those actions. And behind those desires are different kinds of avidya. Avidya, Kama, Karma Bhi. We are ignorant to different degrees and out of that ignorance we come up with so many desires and then we pursue those desires which leads to plethora with many kinds of actions. A lot of people are very very busy morning to night they are busy no time for anything just very so to say from one task to another one activity to another very very busy it's all about pursuing their aspirations their desires. So that's why we have been discussing that how goal of life is not to kill the desires, goal of life is to purify our desires, to have right kind of desires. So it is very very important for us to pray to the Lord, to beg the Lord, to infuse in us those desires which are His desires for us. The whole Bhagavad Gita started where Arjuna said, I will not fight. Better for me is to just beg and live. But Krishna spoke the Bhagavad Gita and expressed that it is his desire, Lord's desire that this battle should happen. And then when Arjuna was asked, what do you want to do? Now you decide. So Arjuna said, Karishe Vachanam Tara. I will do as you desire, as you have asked me to do. So it is in our self-interest that we act as per the desires of the Lord. And our prayer should be, O Lord, infuse in me those desires which are your desires for me. Just like a father, a mother has some desires for their son or daughter. They have some aspiration. If the child is acting as per their desires, becoming a responsible citizen, getting well educated, the parent feels happy. So likewise, the Lord also has some desires for us. If we act in a particular way, the Lord feels happy. If we act in certain ways, desire certain wrong desires, the Lord feels unhappy. All of us have material desires. Let's accept this reality. 
and at times we are very specific in our prayers we have many material desires to fulfill and we go to the lord with uh, you know our checklist that this this this, this things wants i want to happen it is always good if we can pray to the lord and add the statement if you so desire because the lord knows what is best for us out of avidya out of ignorance many times we desire things which is not in our self interest we desire things which will eventually entangle us bind us and lead us to misery so the first principle of surrender is anukulasya sankalpaha which means that to accept only those things to undertake only those activities which are favorable to our growth in krishna consciousness so there are many activities which will uplift our consciousness which is which will take us closer to lord and there are many activities which will take us away from the lord so the first principle of surrender is anukalasya sankalpaha which means that we undertake or engage in those activities which will take us closer to the lord shri prabhupad in his books have given us many many instructions practical instructions instructions which will enable us to become more and more closer to the lord which will enable us to purify our desires which will enable us to elevate our consciousness so that's the first principle of surrender <clears throat> the second principle of surrender is pratikulasya varjanam varjanam means to give up just like we go to a doctor the doctor gives them some prescriptions he gives us a prescription with certain medicines which we have to take he also gives us some don'ts something which we should avoid i remember one time i was suffering from jaundice and then the doctor definitely gave some prescription with medicines and he also very specifically told me that avoid eating oily food stuffs all that was very very difficult but then he made it very clear that during this period when you are recovering avoid all kinds of fried food oily foods eat less oil eat you know as far as possible bland diet and in fact the restrictions are equally important so that's why the second principle of surrender recommends that we should avoid those activities which will take us away from krishna which will derail our krishna consciousness which will bring us down which will pull us down towards the lower modes of material nature towards rajoguna and towards tamoguna i remember when i was in the college second year we came back home and uh, typically in college 
when you first go to college you know you get exposed to so many things all kinds of friends people with different kinds of habits and generally you know you start intermingling with your classmates with your batchmates and their friends both among the boys and among the girls i remember when i came back one time among our friend circle although <clears throat> those days it was quite unlike present times where boys and girls freely mixed together we planned a party and in those party in that particular party we had planned some of the you know in the township where we were staying some girls also were invited and the party was supposed to start at say 8 pm in the night and we had planned that by the time we'll be back home it will be 11:30 12 we were supposed to go to a particular place so about 6 7 of us and then few girls also who were living in the neighborhood in the township they all had joined some college so i remember my parents specifically refused no you should not go so i was quite surprised because this is in thing everyone is involved in partying and here my parents are that sense very orthodox no you should not intermingle with girls and somehow i did not go for that party and i was quite upset i remember speaking to my parents that times have changed i even told them that looks like there's a generation gap here is a time where boys and girls are intermingling very freely maybe you are from a previous generation where that was not allowed but still my parents suggested better for you not to go and then it was very difficult for me to comprehend but if i look back there is a reason why there is some element of distancing maintained even in the vedic culture and this is scientific reason behind it although yes as souls we are not man woman but still our scriptures give us recommendation of maintaining a healthy distance now experience matters a lot that's why sometimes elders may give some recommendations which later on we feel it's not okay it may appear that they are very they are very very conservative so likewise our scriptures also give up some restrictions some prohibitions which looks like the choking our freedom in fact there are four regulative principles which are mentioned in our scriptures which is no meat eating no intoxication no gambling and no illicit sex we call it 
regulative principles of freedom now although we call it freedom and regulative principles if you analyze this these two words are contradictory on one side we are saying regulation the other side we are saying freedom actually it's a fact that if we follow these regulative principles we become eligible to enjoy genuine and true freedom i'll give you one crude example just like when we are driving on a highway and there comes a traffic light red light we are supposed to stop it's a regulation it regulates our free movement but that regulation is important because if everyone just drives without any hindrance of traffic lights there could be collisions there could be accidents so such regulations are important so shastras are giving us some restrictions some regulations some don'ts which if we follow will help us surrender to the lord will help us move closer to the lord so the second principle is pratikulasya varjanam to give up those things which will retard our progress towards krishna consciousness as i mentioned the principle of them being meat eating intoxication gambling and illicit sex in the media we are hearing a lot about shushant singh rajput whether it was a suicide or whether it was a murder if we analyze if we get into the details it's all about women which were involved in his lives and uh, people partying boozing getting drunk and see the mess it has created police is involved many families are involved many fans are involved there's so much of so much of discussion going on likewise if we do not follow the regulative principles in the long run it backfires maybe in short term we'll get some enjoyment we'll get some pleasure we'll be happy in the short term but in long run it backfires and brings lot of pain and misery in our lives so that's why bhagavad gita is full of instructions of the lord some prescriptions of the lord and lord also suggests certain restrictions like krishna in the gita says so from the very beginning regulate the senses and slay this destroyer of knowledge and self realization so restrictions are very important and we should not feel get a sense that these restrictions is curtailing my independence or curtailing my freedom in fact certain restrictions are good for us these restrictions will actually award the true freedom which we are wanting to experience in our lives so we will today uh, we have planned some nice uh, kirtans and immediately after this we will get back and discuss the third important aspect of surrender the third principle and then which will be followed with some question answer hare krishna
So now coming to the third principle, the third principle is Rakshishyati Iti Vishwaso. To have firm conviction, to have that faith that the Lord is my protector. Lord will surely protect me. And not only that, He is capable of protecting me. Sometimes we have some doubt. Maybe the Lord will not protect me. Or, or is Lord capable of protecting me? So we may not have that firm faith, that nishtha. So the third principle of surrender involves cultivating that faith, that avashya rakshibi krishna, that Lord will surely protect me. <clears throat> this reminds me of the pastime of Draupadi. When Draupadi was in the assembly and she was being attempted to be stripped by Dusashan, she was trying quite a bit to protect herself. She got hold of her sari and Dushashan was very powerful and was trying to disrobe her. And then for her protection, she looked at the five Pandavas one by one. She looked at Yudhishthira Maharaj with imploring eyes as if, can you please come forward and protect me? But she saw Yudhishthira Maharaj with his head down, eyes facing towards the floor. Likewise, she saw one by one to all the five Pandavas and all were having their head down. They did not step forward to protect her. Then she looked at Bhishma Pitama, grandsire of the Kuru dynasty, the respectable elder in the family. But even he did not step forward to protect her. At one point, Draupadi realized that no one will come forward. She has to fend for herself. She has to protect herself. She cannot expect any protection from anyone in the assembly. Because all whom she could approach for protection, they were helpless. So then she caught hold of her sari very tightly, attempting to protect herself. But then she realized that Dushashan is too powerful for us. It was quite well built. And compared to Dushashan's strength, her strength was limited. And then she, with one hand raised, Krishna, she tried calling for help from Lord Shri Krishna, but still one hand was holding the sari because still she hadn't so-called surrendered everything, but realizing that it's not going to help, it's of no avail. She's not going to protect herself because Dushashan was too powerful. Eventually, she raised both hands and said, Govinda, and in utter helplessness, called for the Lord. And that's when the Lord intervened and supplied unlimited length of sari and Dusashan could not disrobe her. In the Bhagavad Gita, Krishna says, Ye yatha maam prapadyante tam bhajami ham. This is a very very important instruction of the Lord in the Gita. As you surrender, so shall I reciprocate. Now, if we are 
not dependent on the Lord, if we have made our own arrangements for protection and we are completely dependent on those arrangements, we are not asking Lord for any protection, we have made our own plans, the Lord also does not intervene. He respects our free will. If we don't want him, he doesn't want to push himself into our lives. Although he is present in our heart as witnesser, as sanctioner, but he will not intervene. Ye yathamam prapadyante tam sataiva bhajamiyam. As you surrender, so shall I reciprocate. If we remember when we were young, for a child who is completely dependent on the mother, the mother is always thinking of the child. In fact, the mother is conscious, now my child will be hungry, now it's lunch time, I should feed the child. Now it's dinner time, it's already 4 hours ever since he had had the last feed, let me go in. The child is completely dependent on the mother. The child does not make any plan whatsoever. That's a different thing. The child cannot make any plans. But the child is completely dependent on the mother and hence the mother is completely taken charge of the child. And as we grow up, you know, we start making our own plans. Proportionate to that, the mother also starts relinquish, relinquishing the hold and the care she has for us. Although mother is always thoughtful, always love the child, but in the sense that when a person starts making his own plan for his own life, yes, once in a while the mother may call, mother may ask, how are you? But it is not that from time to time, from meal to meal, what have you eaten, have you eaten, are you hungry? So same is the case. A pure devotee of the Lord is completely dependent on the Lord. For his protection, he is completely surrendered to the Lord. He has that conviction, has that faith. Avashya Rakshibe Krishna. The Lord will surely protect me. And he also has the conviction. Mare Krishna Rakhe Ke, Rakhe Krishna Mare Ke. If Krishna protects, if the Lord protects, no one can kill me. No one can do any harm to me. And if the Lord kills me or if the Lord decides to hurt me, no one can protect me. Mare Krishna Rakhe Ke, Rakhe Krishna Mare Ke. One time, Srila Prabhupada was traveling in a tram in Calcutta and along with him was a child, his child. And while they were traveling in the tram, the the conductor came and asked for the ticket from the child and generally, you know, the TT was quite playful. He asked the child, where is your ticket? Show me your ticket. So the child was quite surprised, someone coming and asking for a ticket. So the child said, I don't have. So the TT said, if you don't have the ticket, then you get down. You can't travel in this tram. So the child looked at Srila Prabhupada, his father, and uh, indicated to the conductor or the TT, you can't ask me to get down. If you want anything, please ask my father. 
So in other words, the child was completely dependent on the father. If I have to have a ticket, please ask my father. If I don't have my ticket, you can't ask me to get down, ask my father. So same is the case of a person who is completely surrendered to the Lord. He always looks upon the Lord for his protection. So <clears throat> that is the third principle where a devotee develops that faith, that conviction that Lord is my protector and he is able he can give me the protection what I am seeking. He is capable of giving me the required protection. Avashya Rakshibi Krishna e Vishwasa Palana. Palana means we have to cultivate that conviction, that faith that Lord will surely protect me. But mind you, when we are talking about this faith, we have to remember the principle that as you surrender, so shall I reciprocate. That's why it is very important for us to build that relationship with the Lord. To spend quality time and energy in building that relationship with the Lord in prayers, in chanting, in reading His instructions, trying to practically apply those instructions in our life. The first two principles of accepting all those things which are favorable to our Krishna consciousness and rejecting those things which are unfavorable to our Krishna consciousness. So when we are living that kind of a lifestyle, the third principles come in play. The Lord takes charge of our lives and protects the devotee. We have many many examples where Lord has gone out of his way to protect his devotees. In fact, he tells Arjuna to declare it boldly, Name Bhaktya Pranashyati, declare it boldly that my devotees will never perish. In fact, we have also seen the Lord breaking his own promise for the protection of his devotees. At times we may doubt, we may have some examples of devotees who are also suffering. We have examples of Pandavas themselves who were very devoted to the Lord, surrendered to the Lord, but they were suffering. And at times it can be very bewildering. On one side we say the Lord will surely protect, Lord is capable of protecting his devotees. Other side we see many times devotees suffering miserably. And we may doubt where is the Lord? Where is Lord's protection? And sometimes if people do not have the right knowledge, backed with right transcendental knowledge, their faith can get shattered very badly if some toward, untoward incidents happens in their life. Just like when a person goes to a doctor, let's say with boils, the big fat boils in the body and you know, filled with pus. I'm sure you would have come across situations, you have seen people with big boils you know, filled with pus. When a person goes to the doctor, at times the doctor may give an injection which is very painful. And at times the doctor even squeezes the boil so that the pus which is accumulated there gets removed, comes out. In fact, that whole 
activity which the Lord, the doctor does, giving an injection or removing that pus can be even more painful than the boil itself. But that is required to be done for the good of that person, for him to recover, for that so-called problem to subside. Same way, the Lord may take a devotee through some trials, some tribulations, some difficulties, some challenges, some miseries to teach some important lessons. This world is a place where we have offended the Lord, we have rebelled against the Lord, we have come in this world and this world is a wonderful place for our purification. If we disobey the Lord, if we do not follow the Lord, we will get beaten, we will face different kinds of miseries and difficulties and over many many lifetimes we may experience different kinds of hardships till we come to our senses. That's why Krishna in the Gita says, Bahunam janmanam ante gyanvan maam prapadyante, a person who is in knowledge will come to me, will surrender to me. So Prabhupada says, if that is what we have to do after many, many lifetimes, now that we have got human birth, now that we have got a wonderful opportunity, why delay? If after many, many lives we have to come to the point of surrender to Lord, Vasudevam Sarvamiti, Samahatma Sudurlaba, why not in this very lifetime? That's why in the Bhagavad Gita, in the 18th chapter, after having spoken so many instructions, Krishna finally says, Sarva Dharman Parityajya. Parityajya means to give up. We all have so many concocted ideas. What is good for me? What is my dharma? What is my duty? What I should be doing? What I should not be doing? Our head is full of ideas which could be morally right, ethically right, but may not be in our real self-interest. So that's why in the 18th chapter Krishna says, Sarva Dharman Parityajya. Parityajya means give up. Maam Ekam. Ekam means me alone. Sharanam Raja. Sharanam Raja means surrender to me. Aham tvam sarva pape moksha. Now somebody may say, if I do that, what if I am not protected? What if I am lost? Sarva dharman parityaja maam ekam sharnam. Aham tvam sarva pape moksha shami. Whatever sinful reactions what a person thinks he will get. If he relinquishes his duty and surrenders to the Lord, Krishna says, I will free you from those reactions. And then finally Krishna ends by giving an assurance, Ma Sucha, do not fear. Possibly a person can be fearful. What if, what if the Lord does not protect? What if I get into a mess? To assure a devotee, the Lord says, Ma Sucha, do not fear. I will give you protection. So, these are the three principles which we covered today. The first principle being Anukulasya Sankalpaha, to accept only those things which are favorable for our growth in Krishna consciousness. 
So Srila Prabhupada's books are full of instructions which will elevate our consciousness, chanting the holy names of the Lord, hearing Srimad Bhagavatam, attending discourses on Bhagavad Gita, Bhagavatam, Satsang, following the four regulative principles, which is the second principle, Pratikulasya Varjanam, to give up all those things which will retard our growth in Krishna consciousness, which will take us away from the Lord. And the third principle being Rakshasiti Iti Vishwaso, to have that faith, to have that conviction that Lord will surely protect me. So these are the three principles. Now we'll take up some questions. We've got a lot of questions which have come in. This question is from Amrita Modak. How to apply for Kids Janmashtami festival? I am nine years old and I am seeing you. I am inspired and what want to be like you. <clears throat> so there are two questions. How to apply for Kids Janmashtami festival? Uh, you can visit our website. It is hkmlife hkmlife.com.org and I am sure all the details you will find them there. Find it there. We also mentioned the contact numbers in case you have any clarifications you can call us. I am inspired and want to be like you. Uh, I would strongly recommend that you read Shla Prabhupada's books. Prabhupada's books are very very potent. He being a pure devotee of the Lord, I am sure you will get the right kind of inspiration. Vikas Sharma, this is a question. Why Mahamantra we seek protection and acceptance from Lord? Then how is chanting rendering of service to the Lord? Both seems contradictory. In chanting, we are serving the Lord who has come in the form of the holy name. We can call it Nama Prabhu. Lord in the form of his holy name. And how are we serving the Lord? We are serving the Lord by offering our attention. Our doing attention, we are chanting the names of the Lord and our knowing attention, which is Jnana Chesta by hearing, attentively hearing. We have these two soul energies, attention. Right now, we have splashed that attention on so many things, so many people. Now, in the chanting, what is happening is the Lord has descended in the form of sound incarnation. We are serving the Lord, just like when you serve the Lord, you offer some fruits, offer some vegetables, offer some abhisheka. In this chanting process, we are offering Lord our attention. Attention is a soul energy which we are offering and serving the Lord who has come in the form of His holy name. And when we offer the Lord, when we please the Lord, when we serve the Lord, we are blessed with Lord's protection, Lord's mercy, which purifies us. This question is from Abhishek Menon. What is the date of fasting for Janmashtami and how to fast and till what time? So Janmashtami this year is on Wednesday. 12th of August, we generally fast till 12 midnight, whole day fast on different festivals, different fasting recommendations are there. But on Janmashtami day, it is recommended to fast the whole day till 12 midnight. Now, 
some of us who are not very familiar with fasting or never fasted it may be very difficult to fast throughout the day so there are people who take fruits one time a day there are people who take some juice or some water so it depends many devotees fast nirjal they don't even take water the whole day but it, it is very very difficult there were times when devotees may not be able to engage in service because they were feeling very weak because of fasting so Prabhupada told them that they can have water they can have some fruits and continue on with their services so last thing we want is it is Janmashmi day and a person is so tired so weak that he is sleeping that should not happen if a person can fast ideally yes whole day he can fast till 12 midnight if it is difficult for him he can have some fruits or some water this question is from Prakash Singh. Is eating onion and garlic against the four regulative principles of bhakti? I am trying my best to follow the four regulative principles of bhakti, but I eat onion and garlic daily because my family eats it daily. What is your recommendation? <clears throat> Let us be very practical. <clears throat> yes, there are some restrictions like no meat eating no intoxication, we don't even take onion, garlic, we also avoid tea and coffee. But for a person who is beginning his Krishna consciousness, it may be very difficult to immediately give up. More so if the family also is not aligned to these principles. Now, let us understand whether it is mandatory or one can you know, try with some compromise, trying following some principles with some compromise. There are people who are, all kinds of people who are practicing Krishna consciousness. There are people who are just chanting one round, eating everything, drinking tea, coffee. There are people who are chanting four rounds, maybe just taking tea and coffee, once in a while onion, garlic and following other principles. So all permutation and combination is possible. Let us remember one principle, no pain, no gain. If I take a cup of let us say milk and I want to make it sweet, I can add one spoon, I can call the milk that it is sweet, I can add two spoons, again the milk is sweet. But in this case, the milk is sweeter. I can add four spoons and it is still more sweeter. In either case, the milk has sugar. So likewise, in Krishna consciousness, you can follow the Krishna conscious principles at different levels. The stricter you follow, much more will be the reciprocation of the Lord in our lives. One can chant one round, yes, he will get the blessings of the Lord. But for somebody who is chanting four rounds, eight rounds or sixteen rounds, the reciprocation of the Lord will be much more. So likewise, we can try to follow the principles very strictly. That's an ideal scenario. But sometimes it may happen that the circumstances may not be favorable. So we have to use our intelligence. The saying called make the best use of the bad bargain with the help of devotees who are experienced 
with the devotees whom you are in touch with you can seek some practical guidance as to what you can do in those circumstances but the principle is if we follow the principle strictly better will be the result better will be the outcome as far as our krishna consciousness is concerned this question is from dinesh singh why non vegetarian food stuffs are categorized as in the regulated principles in the movement of krishna consciousness the question is why one is restricted to have non veg in fact it requires some bit of detailed explanation in fact we have one full session on this on eating habits in which we talk extensively about why it is not recommended to have non veg the simple reason is that it involves giving pain to another living entity it involves killing another jeeva another living entity unnecessarily for our taste buds now the next question will be even killing plants we are killing we are taking life of a plant so that's why i said it's a detailed topic but to give a small crisp answer we have to avoid unnecessary killing unnecessary pain just for satisfying our taste buds this question is from vijay shanbag why is it so tough to leave the materialistic life materialistic life we are not telling that we should give up all put together in fact it may not be practical for everyone to eject from so called family life and that is not our recommendation also that's why in the last session i talked about varnashrama system where a person situated in his varna and ashrama if a person is a grahastha let him be a grahastha but follow the principles like today we are talking about the principles of surrender even being a grahastha in family life one can practice these principles and elevate in his consciousness that is what is recommended so now the question is why it is difficult to give up materialistic life because over many many lifetimes we have cultivated that kind of desires and at times we are attached to those desires so therefore we have got habituated to enjoying in a particular way but the good news is krishna consciousness gives us a very very pleasant and a higher taste if we relish that taste if you are fortunate to relish that taste we can easily give up these lower tastes it may not be a very big struggle if we are trying to sincerely practice the principles of krishna consciousness this question is from naval khanna is it must to follow all the restrictions in order to attain krishna consciousness as i mentioned the more we practice the principles the better would be the outcome krishna does not force us to follow the principles he has given us a free will you can if you want to sweeten the milk you can add one spoon you can add two spoon sugar you can add four spoon the choice is yours but there will be difference in sweetness depending on how many spoons you have added so likewise depending on how strictly we have followed the principles the outcome will be different so it's left to us krishna will not interfere krishna will not force this question is from manikant shendre 
As Krishna will surely protect his devotees, but sometimes we feel fear when real problems come in front of us. How do we have firm faith in the Lord at that time? In the stages of development of bhakti, the first stage is Adho Shraddha. Shraddha means our faith is komala. It's very delicate. We don't have firm faith, which is understandable. We will have doubts because we have still not fully understood about the Lord, who He is, how He protects His devotees. Our knowledge is not very mature. Adho Shraddha. Then, Tatha Sadhu Sangha. A person then associates with a devotee. Satsang. Adho Shraddha Tatha Sadhu Sangha. Then what happens is, because of that Sadhu Sangha, he will get inspired to Bhajan Kriya. Engage in some devotional activities like chanting, like reading. Then what happens? Anartha Nivrittisyat. All the anarthas, all the dirty things which are accumulated in our heart, in our mind. All the misgivings, all the wrong perceptions, slowly, little by little gets erased, gets dismantled. And the next stage is Nishtha, firm faith. So yes, initially we will have, we will have doubts. Our faith will not be very strong. But once we reach a stage in our practice of Krishna consciousness, a stage called Nishtha, then we will have firm conviction. Avashya Rakshibi Krishna. Yes, Krishna will surely protect me. Even if there are ups and downs in life, there will be that conviction that yes, Lord is with me. I am surrendered to the Lord and I am confident that Lord will protect me. And we should aspire to move in that direction by sincerely practicing the principles. This question is from Devansh More. How to recognize based on the things happening in one's life that it is because of Lord's desire to take us to a particular destination and how to make choices that are in line with Lord's desire? How do we understand what is Lord's desire from the teachings of a pure devotee of the Lord, from the instructions of the Lord himself? Lord has given many instructions in the Bhagavad Gita from which we can understand what's Lord's desire. Prabhupada has given many instructions, he has written many books which if we read becomes amply clear as to what the Lord wants us to do, what is Lord's desire for us. So in that sense we can be clear and as I mentioned in my talk today, we can always pray to the Lord, O Lord please infuse in me those desires which are your desires for me. Believe me, for us at this given stage with so much of ignorance, it may be very difficult in that sense to discriminate. Yes, by reading Prabhupada's books, by reading Bhagavad Gita, some sense we can get. But we are filled with so many types of ignorance and at times it will be difficult to discriminate what is good for me. So we can pray to the Lord, O Lord, please infuse in me. Please let me have only those desires which are the right desires as per you. And I am sure if you are begging Lord for that, Lord will be too happy to infuse in us 
the right desires. This question is from Vipul Agarwal. I wanted to ask why God exists. I believe that God exists and He is eternal and we are also eternal. So why we exist and why God exists? First and foremost, we should understand this entire creation is nothing but Lord and His energies. Without Lord and His energies, it is vacuum, it is void. This is a beautiful creation of the Lord, which is nothing but the Lord and His energies. The next question is, why do we exist? Krishna in the Gita says, Mamaiv Amsho Jiva Loke, we are his Amshas, we are his part and parcels. Just like in our bodies, there are different limbs, there are parts of the body. Why do they exist? To serve the overall interest of the body. For example, if I have some kind of itch in the back or some kind of a pain, automatically the hand will go there to relieve that itch. It serves the interest of the whole body. So it is said that Eko Bahu Shyam, the Lord became many for his pleasure. Just like a man and woman when they get married, they want to have a child. For what? For happiness, for pleasure, because there is a rasa in the relationship, in those interactions. We are social beings. We cannot be happy alone. In different interactions we have with our fellow beings, with our neighbors, with our friends, with our relatives, with our acquaintances, with our near and dear ones, there is pleasure. So the Lord became many for His pleasure. We are His amsha. We are His part and parcel, just like the limbs of my body. Now when the limb serves the interest of the whole, the limbs are satisfied, they are happy and they get their own quota of happiness and nourishment. So we being part and parcel of the Lord are meant to serve the Lord, to please the Lord, to participate in the enjoyment of the Lord. And unlike the understanding we get in this material world when we serve some masters, unlike that when we serve the Lord, we get reciprocation from the Lord. We get spiritual pleasure in that service and that is what we are hankering to experience. That is what we are wanting to experience. That is the what real happiness is. But we rebelled against the Lord. We defied the understanding that why I should serve the Lord, why others cannot serve me. We also wanted to be the center of attraction. We also wanted to be served, to be glorified. Just like imagine this hand making its own independent plans for enjoyment and does not serve the whole, the body. Then it's a diseased state. At times we know that you know, if the hands are not working properly, if it is a diseased state, at times the hands are amputated. So this world is created where all the rebellious souls have come. We are making our independent plans to be happy, independent of the Lord. But we will meet with frustration because that's not our constitutional position. 
If we do not serve the Lord, we will serve false masters in the form of our senses, our mind, our greed, our lust, our pride and we take many false masters and engage in their service. So this world is a place where we can try out to be masters and eventually we will get frustrated and over many many lifetimes trying this way, that way to be happy, independent of the Lord, we will come to our senses, Vasudevam Sarvamiti Samatma Sudurlaba and we will come to the understanding that Krishna is my supreme ultimate master and I have to surrender unto him. So that's how this world is created for our reformation, for our purification. This question is from Dinesh Pardesi. What is the difference between Krishna avatar and Vishnu avatar? I will briefly touch, it will require a little more detailed understanding. Basically, there is Vishnu Tattva and there is Jiva Tattva. Jiva Tattva are living entities like us. We are Jivas and Vishnu Tattva are of the category of Vishnu or Krishna. Narayana, Rama, the Dashavataras which we talk about, they all are of the category of Vishnu Tattva. And there are different avatars, incarnations and expansions which the Lord takes for various Leelas. So they all belong to Vishnu Tattva category. In one sense, they are non-different. Narayana, Vishnu, Rama. If a per person has a particular inclination to worship a particular Vishnu Tattva, there is no harm. He can worship Narayana, he can worship Vishnu, he can worship uh, uh, Govinda, whatever form of the category of Vishnu Tattvas. But we should not mistake, there are many Devatas who are living entities but empowered. Devi and Devatas, they are not of the category of Vishnu Tattva. This question is from Falguni Fitwa. As you said, we are in problem, if we call Lord, then He will help us. But if our problem is due to our karma, then the Lord will help us or He will leave us in that situation to suffer due to karma. <clears throat> the law of karma acts impersonally if we have not started our path, our journey towards the Lord. In other words, the Lord is there in our heart. He is witnesser and sanctioner. He does not interfere. If our karma is bad, we suffer. If our karma is good, we enjoy. The law of karma is impersonally acting without Lord intervening. When we start the process of surrendering to the Lord, when we start becoming devotees of the Lord, to the degree we have surrendered to the Lord, to that extent the Lord starts intervening and takes charge of our lives. To the extent we have surrendered, As you surrender, so shall I reciprocate. Now if a person is completely surrendered to the Lord, the Lord takes complete charge of his karma. Who knows, as per his karma, he should be enjoying, but the Lord says, no, he should suffer so that he can learn some very important spiritual lessons. 
just like the Pandavas, they were not suffering because of their bad karma. Even though they went through so many trials and tribulations, but because of their devotion, you see how Kunti Maharani is praying to the Lord, Lord give us more and more miseries, because it is an impetus for us to remember you. Their faith in the Lord, their devotion to the Lord gets more intensified because of all those trials and tribulations. That's why Kunti is praying, give us more and more miseries. So, when we surrender to the Lord, the Lord takes charge of our lives to the extent we have surrendered. And then, if as per the law of karma we are supposed to suffer, the Lord decides that karma should act or not. Again, mind you, as I mentioned earlier, to the degree we surrender. Surrender is not zero or one. We are either surrendered or not surrendered. To the degree we are surrendered, to that extent the Lord takes charge of our lives and involves in our lives and allows that karma to act or not act in our lives. As per karma, let's say a devotee is supposed to be living amidst lot of opulence, lot of prosperity, lot of material so-called enjoyment because of his good karma. But the Lord who is kind to the devotee realizes that this material enjoyment or opulence may distract him from the path of devotion. The Lord may not sanction that. Or for that matter, because of bad karma of the devotee in his previous life, let's say the devotee has to suffer very badly. But the Lord thinks that unnecessarily he will get distracted or maybe his faith in me will shake. He may not allow that karma to act. He will minimize that karmic reaction. So the Lord is not just a witnesser, not just the sanctioner. He also takes the role of a director in the life of a devotee. The next question is, as you said, when we are in problem, if we call Lord, then he will help us. But if a problem is due to our karma, will the Lord help us or leave us in that situation to suffer? I think I have answered that question. This question is from Chandrasekhar. Mahaprabhu says, Sthane sthite, be in the same place and perform bhakti. Then what makes people like you to leave everything for Krishna consciousness? It's a very good question. The general principle is, the general principle is that everyone should practice Krishna consciousness being situated in their varna and ashrama, doing their respective duties. That's the general principle. Just like a general principle is you go to an engineering college, you become an engineer and you come out and take up an engineering job. But there are some exceptions to that rule. There are some people who after becoming engineers, they don't come out into mainstream world and do an engineering function, but they remain in the college and teach that knowledge to others. So likewise, some souls by the blessings of the Lord, by the mercy of the Lord will get an inspiration that I just don't want to practice these principles, but I also want to take part in the mission of the Lord to propagate these principles to others. So very few people will get that inspiration and they are very, very blessed who will come out of their so-called family life and partake full time in the mission of the Lord. But that's an exception, that's not a general rule. Just like many people play tennis, many people play badminton, 
but some people will give up everything their jobs uh, their normal so called lifestyle and practice whole day play that sport whole day and be a professional in that field so there are exceptions how many people will be playing wimbledon very few how many people will be playing tennis in millions all over the world this question is from sunil kumar if people refuse to surrender citing external circumstances encountered with their senses will god forgive them since he is merciful or test them further according to their sanchit karma the lord is very very kind lord is very very merciful he is very very considerate if we are in very trying circumstances the lord will definitely see what effort we are putting to surrender to him so that way let's say a person has 100 rupees and he gives 10 rupees to the lord the lord per se will not see he has just given 10 rupees he is seeing the amount of sacrifice he has made in fact the 10 rupees will be more pleasing to the lord than a person who has given 500 rupees and he is earning a lakh of rupees so if a person is in a very trying circumstances and in spite of those trying circumstances is trying his best to please to the lord to surrender to the lord i am sure the lord will be very considerate and kind to accept that surrender so to give you a practical example let's say somebody is living in a condition and the condition is very unconducive for a person to practice krishna consciousness and in that very trying circumstances he somehow with great difficulty with lot of sincerity he is trying to chant eight rounds who knows those eight rounds of chanting may be more pleasing to the lord than a person who is chanting 16 rounds with all very very pleasant and comfortable circumstances who knows that may be more pleasing to the lord so definitely the lord is very considerate he sees what's the effort we are putting to surrender to him this question is from pushpalata how to attain 16 rounds of chanting every day what should be the regular schedule for the day i have been trying but not able to reach it is very important that if we have to perform our devotional activities we make the best use of the morning time morning time is very important for many reasons first we have minimal distractions during that time the world has not woken up we will not be disturbed we will not have phone ringing people calling us and also because brahma murta time morning time lot of sattva guna is there it is very conducive for spiritual activities the amount of struggle we will have in chanting let's say 16 rounds throughout the day visavis when we chant in the morning the struggle will be much less if we do it in the morning so a pertinent question would be how to get up in the morning so that we can do if we get up in the morning i am sure and spend quality time we will have time for our devotional activities if a person wants to chant 16 rounds he has to allocate 2 hours if he gets up in the morning has 2 and 1/2 hours then these devotional activities can be packed into the schedule easily and we had covered in one session uh, balancing material and spiritual life we can try if possible to sleep little early and get up early early to bed early to rise makes a man healthy wealthy and wise 
so we can bring about changes in our life if possible sleep early get up early and if you're able to get up early then it's not very difficult to incorporate 16 rounds in our schedule and uh, we can pray to the lord to give us the strength to give us the wisdom we are under the grip of material energy krishna in the gita says devi esha gunamai mama maya dhuratteya and at times the grip is so strong it's not easy to come out theoretically yes we can speak that you know you can sleep early get up early theoretically it may seem a very very easy thing to do but sometimes the grip is so strong it's difficult to come out so we can try our best we can pray to the lord beg the lord for his mercy for his blessings express our desire express our intent express our eagerness to do that and i'm sure the lord will help us so with this we'll stop